welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian yes, sir. and Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And we are so happy to have you guys here. Uh, we are continuing our um, our waltz through the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. You know, you do the rosary, you know, that it's almost just... sound like a polka, Sam. No, yeah, that's right. It might have been. <laughs> Didn't it? <laughs> One, two, three. One, two, three. That's a waltz. Yeah, I, you know what? We I, There's polkas in my blood. I'm just going to admit it. I'm just going to admit it. Yeah. Anyway, we're doing the uh, Luminous Mysteries, the Mysteries of Light. Uh, and we uh, did the first Luminous Mystery on our last show, uh, The Baptism of the Lord in the River Jordan, uh, and lots of uh, great insights. And we're going to continue in that process now with the second luminous mystery and that is what sam the wedding at cana that's right we love the wedding at cana and so we're going to talk about that just again just to remind folks why we're doing this so often uh, catholics get accused of like you know rote memorization of prayers and and essentially praying in a way that just like sometimes they're well they're accused of this that we're just rattling off words you know and, and we're not necessarily stopping and pondering the great mysteries behind those words. Um, I don't believe that all Catholics do that. But you know what? I think it's fair to say that there probably are some Catholics who were never really taught how to pray the rosary, for example. That's right. And they are actually just doing the Hail Marys. They're naming off the mysteries, and they're not actually stepping into the mystery, which is you know basically at the very heart of what the rosary is all about. That's right. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to ponder each of the mysteries um, of the, the four different sets of mysteries uh, and this being the, the the latest set, we'll say in the church, church, you know, is ever ancient, ever new, and this is one of the new sets of mysteries. Just about twenty years old. That's right, exactly <laughs> right. And so, uh, in these mysteries of life, light, uh, and and really, this is part of the public life of Jesus. Yes. Right. So we have those other sets of mysteries that 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 the joyful mysteries, you know, at the very beginning, and then the sorrowful towards the end, and then certainly the glorious. Mysteries, and then there's just like this section that John Paul II, Pope Saint John Paul, said, you know, we really need to uh, revisit the Rosary, and we need to really pay attention to these mysteries of light. What Jesus actually did in the process of of essentially, uh, well, completing God's plan of salvation for right. us, right? Uh, the, the the total and full revelation um, of Almighty God and His plan of salvation for all of us. And I'm talking like that because I'm talking about revelation and things like that because one of the cool things about this particular mystery, um, this uh, wedding at Cana, is this is part of the, uh, you know, the, the, the beginning of the liturgical year. We explore this uh, as one of the manifestations or the great manifestations of Jesus to the world. Right. right? So we have his baptism in the River Jordan. Right, that's sort of like the the typically we'll see that as the beginning of his public ministry. Yeah. Um, but bef- like literally before that, 
was his uh, the, the 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 visiting of the three magi mm-hmm. that came to be with Jesus. So the Epiphany, essentially the celebration of the of the three kings. Uh, is like the recognition that Jesus was born to save the world. So these three travelers from afar uh, come there, um, and that's one of the manifestations that's spoken of at the beginning of the liturgical year. And then we have this, the wedding at Cana, which is essentially, uh, it's it's a manifestation for a couple of different reasons, but uh, one of them we'll talk about today, but but this one is also a manifestation because it's, it's the first public miracle that Jesus performs. And for people in Radioland who aren't familiar with uh, what Deacon Jeff is talking about, you know, in terms of this is a manifestation, like this is actually a precise term that you're using. Like in church history, for the vast majority of, of the church's existence, uh, those, those three manifestations were celebrated simultaneously, and still in some of the Eastern Rite churches, they still are. There's a couple of great songs that verse 1 is about the Epiphany, verse 2 is about the baptism, verse 3 is about the wedding at Cana. Right. And I always, as a younger man, look at them and go like, are they, is the church confused? <laughs> Were, were, were they running out of paper, and they were? This guy had a great song idea, and he thought, like, well, I can't write three songs, you know? I'll write uh, one song. I'm doing the way you can it down. That's right. Uh, but it's quite beautiful to see that, and you understand the theology behind that. You yeah. start realizing that, like, oh, I see what's going on now. Yeah. So let's 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 sort of dive in and talk about, you know, in each one of these mysteries uh, that we're that we're talking about, we'll also see some fruit. Right. To be born from our, our sort of deep dive or our study of that particular ministry. So what fruit are we are we looking at here? Well Sam? this this fruit is very special to me, and that is the fruit of to Jesus through Mary. Yeah, which again, uh theologically is problematic for um non Catholic Christians right. specifically. Right. Uh because they're like, Well, you just need Jesus. Right. Right? And and we Catholics have always thought like, well, no, there's this person called Mary, his mother, uh, and Mary and the mother of God. And it's like, you know, and sometimes Catholics don't fully even grasp that, but there's a love and a devotion there that is is beautiful, uh, even if they don't theologically totally fully grasp it. But most people understand this. But we want to kind of shed some light, uh, you know, on this so that it's not totally misunderstood well and also you know for those of you who whose hearts might be moved by this conversation if you've never consecrated yourself to our blessed mother uh you know it's a it's what a primary devotion for me i'm doing one right now and uh you know the next cycle begins on february 20th which ends on march 25th the feast of the annunciation so we'll, we'll uh we can revisit that stuff later but you know you can literally take on a devotion that is you know can it's all about ordering your life around uh, going to Jesus through Mary. And I, I can tell you that for me, that is the primary way in which I go to Jesus. You know, I, I go to adoration and, and, and various other ways that I receive Jesus directly. But if it weren't for our Blessed Mother, I wouldn't know him the way that I know him. Yeah, there's something beautiful about uh, the love of a mother. And there's a, something beautiful about uh, essentially knowing that our, uh, our the, 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 the focus of our spirituality should be Jesus. Yeah. And that Mary does not interrupt that. In fact, she, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. 
She well, brings Jesus closer. Well, so like De Montfort says, if you're going to try and compare Jesus to Mary, you can't. You know, Jesus, I mean, he is uh, the second person of the Trinity. He, he is God. The very uh, God is the, the very two, the very act of to be itself. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Mary is a creature, you know, and, and, and like so compared to God as a creature is less than an atom. He's nothing. That's literally what Saint Demo- uh, Louis de Montfort says. He said, so we're not trying to like create some comparison between creature and creator and, and create like a, but Jesus, I mean, God chose, God could have raised Adam from the clay, as Saint Louis de Montfort says, right? He could have raised the new Adam from the clay just as the first Adam was raised, right? God chose to come to us. Jesus chose to come to us through Mary. And God's will is eternal, and He continues desire right. to come it to us have, through Mary. Jesus could have, He could have been in literally an episode of Star Trek, and literally He could have like beamed into existence, like you know, there's Jesus. That would have been a liturgical sound. Yeah, well, we 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 would have a whole new set of feast days. Interestingly, no, I don't want to make light of that, but the reality is God chose. To uh, to take on flesh, yes, as all humans do, right? To become like us in all ways except for sin, right? And and that's exactly the role that Mary played. But but she's also not like you know the big lighter that's disposable. <laughs> Mary's not disposable, right? Right? Yes. She's she's she is uh, integral integral to the to the process. Uh, and this idea that we can access God. Um, through through Mary, we can, that we can find Jesus and a relationship with Jesus through Mary is profound. I mean, I'll speak as a father. Uh, uh, Tom, you've probably experienced this as well, but like when you have the little kids, mm-hmm. the, the, for some reason, the little kids want to sleep in the bed with the parents. Oh, yeah. And especially if there's a storm or something outside. Oh, yeah, they're right, on, yeah. right, they're, they're, they're coming in. I will tell you this. In, with my nine kids, not one of them ever in the history of my marriage has actually ever come into the bed from my side. Oh, yeah. No. Because kids know mom's got a soft heart, right. <laughs> you know, a, a, a soft you know, lap and arms and chest, and you can just she just she was just like takes takes the kids in. So when I wake up in the morning with a backache because there's some kid's foot you know pressed against my spine, right? It's because they came in through <laughs> through Mama's side. Oh yeah. Well, and I think also in addition to that, the uh, evidence that Mary's not disposable, and I think this is a key piece of evidence that a lot of times our separated brothers and sisters miss is you know if you go back to the, the, the historical house of David. You know, if you go back specifically with Solomon uh, and you go forward from there, the queen mother had a very special role. You know, people had to petition, people would petition the king through the queen mother. And that, that was the best way, that was considered the best way uh, to get to the king. If the, if the king's mother would take up your petition to the king, it was, it was basically guaranteed to be granted because it was always understood that the queen mother had the king's best interest at heart. That's right. So people would go to the king with their needs. Like in in First Kings chapter two, uh, or uh, verses nineteen and twenty, we see a situation where um, Bathsheba goes to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. Mm-hmm. Adonijah needed something, right? And so nineteen and twenty read like this: Then Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king stood up to meet her and paid her homage. Then he sat down upon his throne, and a throne was provided for the king's mother, who sat at his right. She said, There is one small favor I would ask of you. Do not refuse me. The king said to her, Ask it, mother, for I will not refuse you. 
right? And and for those for those uh, worlds that are that still have kings and queens, right? This is still true in terms of uh, you know not many kings and queens rule like they used to. Sure. In the day, back in the day, but the the the, the king always had a soft spot in his heart for his mother. Well, and, and and throughout Old Testament scripture, we see that the role of the queen mother remained an integral part of the house of David in this exact way. And so, you know, let's not forget that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic promise. Jesus is king of the house of David. The house of David extends forever through Jesus. And so that includes the queen mother. That includes Mary. So looking at this, now let's let's kind of get to this, the mystery, right? The wedding at Cana. And uh, we take this from uh, John's gospel in chapter two, starting in verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus told them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs in Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. That's so beautiful. There's so much, and there's so much packed in here. Oh my goodness, yes. Right? And so we look at this, and, and we see, uh, there's, I, I, I love the, by the way, I, I just love the fact that if Jesus is going to make some wine, pretty good vintage. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff because obviously the you know the head waiter's like going, "Oh, why are right. we what are we doing here? We're not supposed to be like serving the good stuff. Y'all went into the back room and got the wrong thing." Yeah. Right? You need to get the, you know, the stuff we just kind of put out there once they've all kind of when they say they've drunk freely, they're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> these these wedding feasts would go on for a week sometimes, oh, sure. yeah, right? Yeah. And so there'd be a lot of imbibing because of the joy of of the wedding, right? Right. And for those, there are some people who think that like uh, that that wine in Jesus's time didn't inebriate because Jesus would never be party to to making something that would inebriate. But there was some serious drinking that would happen oh, in the sure. celebrations, right? And so when you've had a little to drink, you're not as choosy about the wine, right, right that you're drinking, you know? So there's something cool about this. But there's, there's other things that we can learn. Well, I mean, for me, I, I love, first of all, just Mary's humility, the simplicity of her petition. And I've actually I've heard some beautiful homilies with regard to that, that this is how we should pray, you know? Uh, with, Mary just comes to him and says, they have no wine. You know, and it's a, it's 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 very obvious. Yes, it's very simple. Yes, right. We in this world we we make everything so complex. Right, where it's all everything is so gray and muddy and murky. Right, she just says they have no wine. I, I heard a homily once where he said that uh, what this priest said that he stands in front of a statue of Mary, and what his preference is is when he's going through a bad time, he lists off the things in that way. So what he does is he'll stand and say. Uh, 
I have no wine to be patient with my kids right now. I yeah. have no wine, you know, to do this and this and this. And he started prescribing. Yeah, just start listing that off with that simplicity of understanding that, you know, uh, that's how we are supposed to present our petitions to God with just this openness and an honesty, mm-hmm. but also with simplicity and trust. But and also in the openness and the honesty and the humility is wisdom. Yeah. Right? She's saying this to Jesus. Right. Because, you know, why would she say this if she didn't know that her son could do something about it? Well, I, but I think it's pretty powerful, his response, because it, it it links up directly to what we were talking about in terms of the queen mother of the house of David uh, presenting a petition to the king, right? Because Jesus said to her, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. Like, read that again. Like, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. So what does that tell us? It tells us, you know, because someone could say if that line wasn't there, Mary didn't play a big role. Jesus was planning on doing this anyhow. Right. You know what I In mean? In fact, some people will look at that particular line. Yeah. And Jesus said to a woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. It's interesting. Uh, they'll, they'll say, well, he's really like kind of putting her in her place. Her right. Because it's like a lot of people are like, you know. When I was growing up, and I'll be honest with you, the same with me. If I had said, you know, I'm, come down and eat your breakfast, Jeffrey, and I'd go down there and I'd say, woman. <laughs> the hour of my breakfast has not yet come. <laughs> you know, I, I have a feeling that I'd be, I'd be walking funny that day. Because <laughs> that, that would not be uh, from my shame, obviously. But, but, but I, I just, I know, I know for a fact that that seems at its, like, in its 20th century interpretation, like, well, we don't talk that way. But there's also something theologically powerful going on here. By Jesus using the word woman here, he is actually linking uh, the woman Eve Mm -hmm. and the woman crowned with stars in the book of Revelation, all of them connected to Mary and her role in God's plan of salvation. So really what he's doing is opening all this up, and it just basically opens up and acknowledges he's even if people say like well he's he's putting her down it's like yeah if you're saying he's putting her down the funny thing is he's still doing what she told him to do and and also again jesus chose to come to the earth through a woman that's right so i mean that you know in that culture that's right high dignity high dignity that's right exactly right and in those days uh, those days their women were not Right, so I mean, I think he was he was really honoring womanhood by having her by, by making the choice to come in through her womb, through her free choice uh, to say yes, you know, and and to enter into her womb. That was a, an elevation of woman, right? And and also when he says, "Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come." I mean, essentially, Jesus is acknowledging that this miracle, the first miracle, and that last line says, Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs in Canaan and Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. His disciples believed in him, and, and his glory was revealed because of the miracle that essentially came through Mary's intercession. Yes, because it was her concern. You know, not his, but he adopted it because the queen mother petitioned the king, right? And so, but here's the thing about Mary's queenship, right? Her queenship, it promotes obedience to Jesus's kingship, right? What does she say to his servers? Do whatever he tells you, right? She didn't say, 
I'm also a queen. <laughs> like, right. I'm, I'm gonna. He he said no, and so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna make this happen on my own watch. No, like there was an absolute trust and an honoring of him, and a trust that he would honor this petition, which he did. Amen. And again, that's at the very heart of um, this idea that that of Jesus through Mary. Right, because again, I mentioned the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Um, you know, the reality is, so many people misunderstand, uh, and even Catholics, we we are quiet about Mary sometimes because we know that our our separated brothers and sisters um, don't necessarily don't recognize the role of Mary other than giving birth to Him. Right, right, right. Other than that, they don't recognize the great role that she plays, and and. And this idea that uh, when 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 Mary says, you know, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord, uh, from the Latin, my soul magnifies the Lord. I mean, what does a magnifying glass do? It brings whatever whatever bug or whatever you're looking at closer to you, so that you can see it. It's a more intimate relationship with whatever you're viewing with the magnifying glass. And the idea that Mary's soul magnifies the Lord. That's her role. That's what she's here. She 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 gave us Jesus. She brought Jesus. She was a conduit through which God would take on flesh. And the rest of her life, her soul would be magnifying the Lord. It's all about Jesus. 100%. And, and the, the other thing is, I mean, I don't know. I haven't uh, had the opportunity to ask our Blessed Mother, like, if there was just one of her phrases from Scripture, if she had to just choose one as being the most important one. I'm not going to try to speak for our Blessed Mother, but my guess would be that on the list of lines she would consider, pretty high on that list would be, do whatever he tells you. And that's something, again, <laughs> uh, if, if you want to give somebody, anybody who's struggling, advice, right? Just... Do whatever Jesus tells you. Right. It's again. She's she's in her in her humility. There's a simplicity uh, to her to what she says. And this idea of do whatever he tells you is the 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 simplest way out of any mess. Well, and I think also, you know, this isn't just relevant for you know miracles, big flashy miracles, but it's for every kind of petition, including growth and grace. And I think if we look at her humility. And her obedience and just the model that she's presenting. Mary already had, you know, we have that line from scripture where Jesus talks about you can't have the new wine uh, in an old wineskin, right? And, that, and, the, and the reason for that is new wine, when it was being fermented, right, it would, it would, it would, it would have this pulsing life to it. And if you put it, in, and, and so it had to have be in an elastic wineskin that was able to, to pulse with that life. And if you put it in an old wineskin, it would burst and it wouldn't work. And Jesus says, you know, when, 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 the, when the apostles were asking him for uh, blessings and graces, he, he said, you can't put old, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. And I think we see in Mary, you know, Mary's humility and her obedience, that's the new wineskin. You know what I mean? And if we want to follow her model... And what we really should do is ask Mary to help us take on the new wineskin yes. so that she can obtain for us the new wine of the Holy Spirit within us, so she can obtain that that miracle at Cana within our hearts. And I would also go a little further and say that 
all of us at our baptism essentially receive new wine skins. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. So, so I think some of us have unused wine skins. <laughs> well, some of us need to go to confession to kind of freshen up our wine skins. Yeah, maybe that's like, also yeah. true. So, so we've got just a couple minutes left, but every every time we do these particular shows on the mysteries and the rosary, we like to just ask some questions and allow people an opportunity to sort of be introspective, to a little self-examine here, just to kind of like... Are we turning to Mary? Because again, so many of us, uh, we underutilize this great resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, speaking in today's corporate speak, we we are there's we're, we're missing the boat when we say, sort of put Mary aside and go straight to Jesus, as it were. Mm-hmm. We can always go straight to Jesus. We can always go straight to Jesus. Pray to Him, we, and we do. But at the same time, I always like to think about the resurrected Jesus. He's got two ears. Right, so we can go into one ear, straight into one ear. Mary's in that other ear. Oh, I love it! I love it. <laughs> right, so we talk to Mary, and then she's wishing, "Listen to him," you know. Right. You know, listen, listen to Jeff, listen to Tom, listen to Sam. But so we have to ask ourselves these questions: Am I turning to Mary? Am I honoring the role given to her by our King? Am I following her model of simplicity, humility, obedience? Do I need to ask Mary to help me change out my wineskin and to help obtain for me the new wine? I mean, those are questions a lot of people might struggle with the answers because so often we don't do those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus is a miracle worker, right? But sometimes it takes us um, asking, realizing, opening, humbling ourselves, and essentially reaching out to Mary in addition so that we can have, um, you know, a magnified view and understanding of the power and the grace and the mercy and the love of our Savior. It's not just that he came to die for us. It's the realization that we accept that and that we allow ourselves to be loved by him, to be a member of his beloved, right? which essentially break that word up to be loved, allow yourself to be loved. And, and this gift of Mary to us, to our entire church, and you know what? Whether people recognize it or not, she's everyone's mother. She wants to love you with a love that's unimaginable. Amen. And that's, that's what we need, to, we need to spend time doing and realizing. So if there's a, one of those dusty old devotions that you haven't picked up in a while, whether it's a rosary, maybe your rosary beads are broken, you know, you're always going to get that fixed. Go get those needle nose pliers, right? And 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 put that rosary back together, and pick up a rosary and and start to pray once again. And really, essentially, at the heart of all these mysteries, is Jesus Christ, and that's what we need to avail ourselves of, and we need to utilize His Mother in a more profound way in our lives. So let's ask Our Lady the Rosary to intercede on our behalf. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe 
serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.